You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Hey, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and so glad that you are joining us today. Um, now, before we get started this morning, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, Bryce. And Bryce, uh, if you don't know Bryce, he's a partner here at Midtown Church, and uh, he's a recent UT grad. And at 9.30 uh, every Sunday morning now, you can find Bryce hanging out with uh, my two uh, sixth-grade sons. Uh, they'll play, be playing basketball or they're playing uh, video games, and then they spend some time uh, talking about what it looks like to follow Jesus. And uh, my boys love it. In fact, all during the week, they're talking either about what they did with Bryce the Sunday before or how they're looking forward to hanging out with Bryce the coming uh, Sunday. Like in their eyes, uh, Bryce is a rock star. And in Krista's eyes and in my eyes as well. Because you know, you know who I love? Uh, I love people who uh, love my kids, right? <laughs> like uh, uh, the best thing you can do to show me love is to love for love and, and care for invest in my own kids and I'll tell you Bryce could basically tell ask me to do anything <laughs> for him and I would be happy to do it because of what he's doing for my kids so anyways I just thought I'd say share that and I also would say uh, what's interesting is that the opposite of everything I just said is also true because you know you know who I hate well, that, that's, that, maybe that's too strong. I know we're not supposed to hate anyone. Um, do you know who I, have a real, who I have a really hard time not hating? People who uh, hurt or mistreat or take advantage of my kids, right? I mean, <laughs> uh, all the parents are going, yeah, yeah, that's, that's how I feel too. Because uh, those people are the worst. <laughs> now, thankfully, uh, you know, no one has done anything horrific uh, to my kids. Well, no, really the only way they've ever been mistreated is by their peers, right? Like a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old who talks bad about them or bullies them or leaves, leaves them out. But I find that I can even get really worked up about that, like infuriated about how a seven-year-old is treating my daughter. It just makes me so upset. And here's, here's what's true. If uh, you mistreat my kids, it does not matter how nice you are to me, or how much time you would want to spend with me, or what you would give me, or how much you sing my praises. If you mistreat my kids, then no matter what you do for me, I will still not be feeling any love from you. And you know what? God the Father feels the same way. See, last week we started a new series that we're calling Compelled, Why We Do What We Do. And at risk of giving this whole series away, the reason why we do what we do and what it is that we as Midtown Church actually do, all of that is summed up in our statement that we say basically every week, which is this, that we are a family loved and served by God and compelled to love and serve each other in Austin with God. See, what, what are we all about? Well, we're all about loving and serving each other and awesome with God. And why is that? 
what we're all about is because of how God has loved and served us. That's what compels us to do what we're all about. But this morning, I want us to consider what's missing from this statement. Namely, <laughs> notice that it doesn't say anything about loving God. You ever notice that? Why do you think, why do you think that's <laughs> what, why do you think we leave that out? Right? I mean, you would think that a, a church, Midtown Church, that would be something that we would be all about, right? Loving and serving God, and yet it's not in there. Perhaps that's, you know, now that you've noticed that, that bothers you, <laughs> that's not in there. Why in the world is that not in there? Well, let me tell you, it's not because we don't care about loving and serving God. We absolutely do. The reason it's not in there is because of how God tells us we are to love and serve him. And to show you what I mean, I want us to go back to the passage we looked at last week in John chapter 13. For Jesus says something during the same meal that we looked at last week that really brings this all into focus. For you see, after Jesus washed his disciples' feet, uh, they ate the Passover meal together. And then Judas abruptly got up and left, and he left to go betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that that's what Judas had left to go do. And so... Uh -huh. Jesus knew that when Judas left that room, shut that door, it signaled uh, the beginning of a number of a series of events that would culminate in Jesus's crucifixion the next day. So after Judas left, Jesus turns to the rest of his disciples, and here's what he says, John chapter 13, starting verse 33. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. And you will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. Now, this is, this is just Jesus saying, okay, my time with you, guys, is it's running out. And so he knows that whatever he still needs to be, you know, really still needs to say, like this is the time where he needs to say it. So my children, okay, come, come here, listen up, listen up. My time with you is short. Let me, let me tell you something super, super important. And then... He says these words, a new command I give you, love one another. Now, by framing this as a new command, Jesus is drawing attention to the significance of what he's about to say. But when he says, here's the new command, love one another, they, pro <laughs> they probably thought, hey, yeah, Jesus, um, that's not new. I mean, that's in the law and the prophets, right? I mean, we've, we've read that before. You've even said that before. You love one another. But before we move on, I, I do want to point out something for us that's important to see. Because it, it's helpful to know that when Jesus says love, when he's commanding us to love, he's not commanding an emotion or a feeling. We talked about this last week. But as a reminder, he's, he's talking about love as a verb, like foot-washing kind of love, where you intentionally and voluntarily place someone ahead of yourself. And we know that that's the kind of love that he was talking about because here's what he goes on to say next. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And see, friends, it was at this point that his disciples, his friends, might have leaned back a little, for that was the new part of this command. See, up until this statement, the standard for how we were to love others was how we loved ourselves. 
you know, like love your neighbor as you love ourselves or do unto others as you would have them do unto you. I mean, that, that was the standard. But here Jesus raises the bar. He says, love one another as I have loved you. And they had to be thinking, okay, wait, wait, that's, that is new, right? Like you want us to love each other like, like with foot washing kind of love? Because what you just did for us and, and washing our feet, we would have never done for one another. <laughs> like we would have never even imagined doing that for one another. But now that you've done that for us, now you want us to love each other in that way? Like these guys? And they're looking around at each other in the room, and Jesus is like, yeah, these guys. And then as if to know that they're wrestling with this, Jesus puts an exclamation point on this statement by adding this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. As if to say, hey, you want to know how important this is? From this point on, it will serve as the, not a, the indicator of whether or not someone is a follower of mine. And friends, I am both drawn to and challenged by the clarity of that statement. You see, in our, our day and age, anyone can call themselves a Christian, right? I mean, honestly, that's one of the reasons why many of us would balk if someone stopped us on the street and asked us if we are a Christian. Not that, you know, anyone ever does that. But if someone were to come up to me and say, hey, are you a Christian? Like, I, a pastor, I wouldn't even balk at that. I would want to, I'd want to qualify it, right? I'd want to say, well, um, yeah, but let, let, let me tell you what kind of Christian I am. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, you know, I'd want to give some explanation to that. Because the label Christian has so many different meanings. In fact, last, last week, LifeWay Research just published a new study that revealed that 33% of evangelical Christians do not believe that Jesus is God, which is wild because uh, the belief that Jesus is God is one of the core beliefs of the Christian faith. <laughs> the point being, basically anyone can call themselves a Christian. But what's interesting is that Jesus never used that label, never used that word. In, in fact, the word Christian or Christianity, singular or plural, only shows up three times in the entire New Testament. And in Acts chapter 11, verse 26, which is the first, which is the first time that the word Christian ever shows up in the Bible, we learn from that passage that the label Christian was actually coined by people outside of the church as a way to reflect to followers of Jesus. And as a result, it's never defined in the Bible, which makes it very, very easy for anyone to make it mean what they want it to mean. But early on, Christians didn't call themselves Christians. See, they had another word for themselves. It was the word disciple. Now, what's a disciple? Well, the English word disciple means the same thing that the Greek word disciple means. It, just, it, it simply means a learner or an apprentice or a follower. See, a disciple is a person that does this, right? I'm trying to make a decision. Teacher, how would you handle this? Okay, well, then that's how I'm going to handle it. 
or if someone who says, okay, I, I'm trying to decide how to respond to a certain situation. Teacher, how would you respond to this situation? Okay, well then that's how I'm gonna respond to that situation. You know, as a teacher, how do you manage relationships? Okay, that's how I'm gonna manage relationships. See, a disciple is a person who looks to someone and says, give me direction and show me how to live my life and the answer before you even tell me what to do. I want you to know the answer is yes. Now, what do you want? What should I do? What do you want me to do? Your friends, that's a, <laughs> that's really different than the meaning that we attach to the label Christian, isn't it? See, uh, the label Christian is uncomfortable because it is so ill-defined and therefore it's been co-opted by everything from the Republican Party to health and wealth preachers, to white supremacist groups. But the word disciple, it's also very uncomfortable. But ironically, it is uncomfortable for a completely opposite reason. See, the word disciple is uncomfortable because it is so clearly defined that we aren't sure if we can really say it describes us. But here, Jesus says, hey, let me tell you how you can know if this word describes you, or anyone else for that matter. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. That the identifying characteristic of a disciple of Jesus is if they love one another. Specifically, that they love and serve one another just like he has loved and served them. See, at that moment, when Jesus said this, the men in that room had an idea of what that entailed. But within the next 24 hours, that bar would be raised even higher. When Jesus, the Son of God, would voluntarily die in their place and in our place, hanging from a cross covered in his own blood, and other men's saliva. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, before we move on, I want to make sure you don't miss what Jesus does not say here. Notice that he doesn't say, hey, by this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love me. Like he doesn't say, everyone will know that you're my disciples by how you worship me or how often you read your Bibles or go to church or how long you pray. Now, not that there is you know, anything wrong with any of those things. Those are all really great things. But according to Jesus, those are not the things that indicate whether or not you are his disciple. So I think that begs the question, like why in the world would he put such an emphasis on how we are to love and serve one another? Well, it's because according to Jesus, loving God is completely intertwined with loving others. This is why Jesus, when he was asked what the greatest commandment was, 
responds in Matthew 22 by saying this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But then he doesn't stop there before the person could respond and say, yeah, yeah, I think that's right. He, Jesus adds this on. He says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And I'm sure the person who asked him the question was thinking, wait, wait, wait. See, I, I just asked you what the greatest commandment was. I was just looking for one, but Jesus couldn't give him just one. Because the second one goes with the first one. You can't do the first one without doing the second one. And then Jesus went on to say something extraordinarily significant. For he adds in verse 40, the, and the, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Like all of the law, like all 613 of them included in the Old Testament, like all of the Ten Commandments, all of the teachings of the law and the prophets, they all, all hang on these two commandments, as if to say that all of the other laws are just there to tease out, to add detail to how to do these two intertwined commands. See, these two commands that Jesus could not and would not separate from each other are what all the law and prophets hang on. For according to Jesus, the way we love God with all we are is by loving others. And if you think that I might be overstating that, we need only listen to what Jesus' first followers said. For see, they had the audacity to reduce the entire law even further, 613 to two, and from two to one. And what was the one that they said? Well, here's what Paul writes in the book of Galatians, verse five, chapter five, verse 14. He says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. What's the command? Love the Lord your God? No, he says, this is the command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Or James, the half-brother the half of Jesus, right? I mean, you think he's going to say what Jesus had to say, he, but here's what he says. He says, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, well, what's that royal law? Well, James would say, here's what Jesus would say to this. The royal law is, is love your neighbor as yourself. If you're doing that, you're doing right. Or John, right? John, who was in the room, had his feet washed by Jesus, was there in John chapter 13. He's recording it for us. He, he's the one who's like, here's Jesus say, this new command, I give you love one another. Here's what he writes years later, perhaps reflecting back on that very night. He writes these words, whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. You cannot love God without loving one another. How do we love God? We love God by loving one another as God has first loved us. Did I mention that if you uh, mistreat my kids, if you hurt them, and talk bad about them and take advantage of them or lie to them, then no matter how much time you want to spend with me or what you might be willing to give me or how often you sing my praises or what you do for me, 
I'm still not going to be feeling any love from you. Did I mention that the best way to honor me and love me is by loving and serving my kids? That the best thing you can do for me is something not done directly for me, but something that you do for my children? Do you remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Do you remember the opening line? What's he say? Our Father. Our Father who is in heaven. Friends, what if it's that simple? What if to love God, we are to love one another? What if the mark of a disciple of Jesus is how we love one another as he has loved us? See, this is why at Midtown, our definition of a disciple is this. It's someone who has been loved and served by God and therefore is compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. And see, friends, that's a big part of why we do what we do. See, we want as a church to help you, we want to help one another know how God has loved and served us and then move out to love and serve each other. And serve beyond that, and next week, Justin's going to talk about the beyond that, the Austin and beyond the whole world, I mean, everybody. But Jesus was clear in this passage. He was talking to the disciples, his followers. He says, people are going to know my you're my disciples by how you love one another. And as a church, we say, okay, we want to really help each other love one another. It's the mark of a disciple. And so as a result... That's why MCs, as Kelly was talking about earlier, that's why MCs are such a big deal to us. Like MCs for the church or college small groups for, for Midtown College, like these are so important to us because they enable us to be able to connect with others and develop friendships and practically love one another. Where people connected to each other through what Jesus has done for us commit to love one another regardless of our political party affiliations or our income levels or our age or demographics or color of our skin or our convictions regarding COVID-19 and how we should, what we should do around that. It doesn't matter. Like we will come together loving one another in these groups. For our MCs are where we commit to sacrificially serve one another and meet each other's needs, and to pray for one another, and to point each other to Jesus. You see, our MCs give us the opportunity to live as Jesus' disciples, where you are in each other's lives, and therefore you're able to see the ways to love and serve each other as Jesus has loved and served us. For in our MCs, we get to experience and extend God's love for one another. And so if you're friends, let me just say, if you're not part of one, and I really want to challenge you to take that step today. For even though it might not be easy, you know, you may not want to do it right now. And I know giving of yourself and of your time is not easy, especially even during a pandemic, which makes nothing easier. I would really encourage you to do this, even though it could be hard. And you think, well, what would cause me to do that, Jake? Well, nothing less than the love of God. You see, disciples love one another just as Jesus loved them. Hear this. Not so that Jesus will love them, 
Listen again to what Jesus said. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, past tense, it's already happened. Now go and love one another. See, friends, Jesus loved us first. Even before we were loving each other, it's God's love, his incredible, undeserved, all-encompassing, transformative love that compels us and empowers us to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, God, would you, would, would you help this truth come uh, down from our heads and really impact our hearts? But whether this is the first time we've heard it or the uh, thousandth time we've heard it, God, would, you, would, would it take our breath away? Jesus, what you have done for us, dying in our place, voluntarily, sacrificially, serving us, putting, your, putting us ahead of yourself, even though you are our King Almighty. Thank you. Thank you for making the way for our sins to be forgiven, for us to be adopted into your family, that we could pray our Father who is in heaven. And God, would you help these truths come home to us that you would compel us by how you've loved and served us to love and serve each other for we see that how important that is to you. God, make Midtown Church a place where your love is truly experienced and every person in our church family gets to be loved and grows as someone who does love like you have loved us. Grow us in this, God. Thank you for what you've done for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.